Hello, everyone. My name is Reese Lindmark, and you're listening to Grey Mirror, a podcast from MIT Media Lab's Digital Currency Initiative on technology, society, and ethics. And unlike something like Black Mirror, which just looks at the negative impacts of technology on society, we are Grey Mirror, so we look at the positive and negative impacts of technology on society. And please, if you have any feedback, reach out on Twitter. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Uh, We really do appreciate it. Thanks. So today I interview Caitlin Long. Caitlin is a Wall Street veteran who's really interested in blockchain crypto and has been doing stuff in the ecosystem for a while, especially in Wyoming. And she's kind of known for her really smart takes on new crypto developments, and especially from this kind of legal and financial perspective. And today her and I chat about Libra, which is this new cryptocurrency that Facebook unveiled last week. And so I kind of want to highlight three things in our conversation today, um, though obviously there's more. These three big things are, first, there's this weird part of uh, crypto as nonviolent protest where you have cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies, which can be seen as kind of protesting the centralized traditional institutions like the nation state or banks or, you know, Web2 things like, you know, Google, Amazon, Facebook. And the funny thing with Libra is that crypto has to kind of make a choice here where it's like, oh God, we do want to, you know, take down the banks and Libra will help us do that. Like, it's crazy. Facebook, who could imagine 10 years ago, Facebook actually, you know, making a cryptocurrency. Now Facebook, who has a lot of power, is going to go to battle and go to mat for us um, in the courts, in these things, trying to make cryptocurrency uh, more of a thing and trying to make um, non-nation state fiat a thing, actual private money. As Caitlin said, it's a huge thing where it's like, it's the first private denationalized money in a long, long time. And so crypto is excited by that. And they're also kind of like, oh God, maybe we don't want that. Like this is Facebook. We don't like the attention economy. We're like trying to take down these web two platforms. Um, And so this is a classic tension that all people in nonviolent protests have to do, which is like, how much do you there's kind of the extremist part of your your sect, um, which doesn't want to talk with the institutions. And then there's like the people who are like, eh, maybe they can help us. And so this, you can kind of see this as crypto um, allowing and accepting help to some extent from uh, Libra and Facebook while they're trying to battle these kind of bigger demons or whatever, which are like nation states and the, and the banks that, uh, that are very connected to them. Uh, so that is one macro piece around uh, how to think of uh, crypto versus banks versus uh, Web2 platforms. Uh, The second big piece that I want to say here is, yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting thing that as within crypto, like I didn't understand money at all before I got into blockchain and crypto stuff. And now that I've um, kind of gone down the rabbit hole, it's interesting because it helps um, legibilize this very complicated thing. So, you know, the banking system and crypto and, and, and currencies and what has value, that's all very complicated. But because these new voices get into it um, and because they have to educate new people and because there's kind of this code element and code needs to kind of make things very legible, it needs to put things into boxes and objects and stuff, it makes it kind of easier to understand in a way. Um, and as an easy, a good example of this with um, Libra is kind of, you know, thinking about what is backing Libra and the value there. So Libra is backed by um, bank deposits. So you have this, you know, new cryptocurrency Libra and you have these bank deposits from a bunch of other um, currencies, nation state currencies. Um, and those bank deposits, it's good. It's like, okay, we have all these bank deposits. And so those things back um, this new Libra coin. 
But as Caitlin points out, like they aren't the, the actual nation state coins or the nation state currency, whatever you want to call it, they aren't backed by anything. Um, it's just nation state fiat. They can print as much as they want. So there's this kind of Austrian perspective that Caitlin pushes for. It's like, hey, we have to turn the value that is backing whatever you know currencies we have, we have to turn that the value that's backing it into something more like productive assets, like factories and farms, things that kind of make stuff. Or she's also into things that are just an honest ledger. Um, and, and this term honest ledgers, it's kind of weird, but I actually really like it. Um, something that's used to keep score. So like back in the day, it may have been something like salt. Um, and then it was something like gold, maybe. Um, and it's something that's finite in value. It's scarce. Um, and it's just used. The value from it really comes from this weird, you know, kind of meta-cyclical thing where it's like the value of the thing is the fact that it's on the ledger and that it backs this honest ledger. So this is to say it's cool that, um, you know, as blockchain crypto gets into things, it helps legibilize uh, the financial system um, from a code perspective, especially. And one manifestation of that is how what is backing libra these bank deposits and how maybe it would be better to back libra with an honest ledger or productive assets um so that's the second point and then the third point again on this legibilizing thing thinking about um who's making money with something like libra um you have the Libra Association, which is right now 28 members, and it's going to be 100 members. It's folks like Visa and MasterCard and Uber and Lyft and whatever. And those members, um, they get the interest of the bank deposits. So when people put in their various currencies into these this basket, um, the, the, the Libra Association, these LIT holders, L-I-T holders, they get the interest um, off of those bank deposits. Kind of like how if you use PayPal or Venmo, that PayPal or Venmo gets the interest if you leave your money in there. Um, and Caitlin pushes back on this. She's like, hey man, I don't, this is like, <laughs> I don't, can't the money go to the people? Why does it just go back to these big rich companies um, again? And so the funny thing with this is that there's kind of a proto example of money going back to the people that was actually released later in the week after Libra. So Libra was released, cryptocurrency, Twitter went crazy. They're like, oh my God, that's crazy. But then later in the week, they also went crazy over this project called Pool Together, which obviously, you know, the rest of the world didn't hear about, i.e. it wasn't on NPR, but the crypto folks were really excited by it. And Pool Together is a no loss lottery. And what that means is, or how that works is a bunch of different people buy tickets, let's say it's a dollar to buy a ticket, they all put their money into this big um, you know, basket, and then that basket is then invested, and then at the end, let's say it's after 15 days or a month or whatever, then um, everybody gets their original money that they put in, they get it back, and um, they get the money from one person of all those people that put the money in is the winner, and they get the interest off of the investment. So everybody puts their money in, everybody gets their money out, and then the interest goes to one lucky winner. So it's called a no-loss lottery, and there's a new project, crypto project called Pool Together that does this. And you can see that this is very similar to Facebook and the Libra Association. But right now, with Facebook and the Libra Association, you have to pay $10 million to get these lit tokens, and then only then can you get the interest. And so you can imagine this weird new future reality that as Facebook tries to decentralize and, and change the power structures and as it, get, as it gets forked and things like that, that instead of um, having the money just go back to the lit holders, these $10 million folks, maybe it will go back to the users more generally. So that's the idea there is that maybe Libra is just the rich getting richer, but there may be these cool future mechanisms to decentralize uh, the interest rate um, in the business model here. So with that, there's a lot of weird stuff with Facebook and Libra. It'll be exciting to see what happens. And today's episode with Caitlin is a good uh, initial deep dive into that. So I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode with her. Goodbye.
Hello, everybody. You're listening to Gray Mirror. Today, I'm super excited to interview Caitlin Long. Caitlin, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Reese, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, excited to dive in. Uh, so today, we're going to chat mostly about Libra, uh, Facebook's new cryptocurrency. And this is because Caitlin had this great article in Forbes about you know six different ways to think about it um, that happened before they actually released um, their their main kind of white paper and things of that variety. So now that we actually know uh, what it is and once Facebook's released it, could you just give us a high-level overview, Caitlin, on like what is it and what are its goals? Well, Libra is Facebook's sponsored cryptocurrency. It is sponsored in the sense that Facebook is creating a foundation that will have 100 members and Facebook will be only 1% of those 100 members ultimately. But right now, obviously, it is a centralized project with a plan to decentralize it in the future. The idea is that Libra would be usable in all of Facebook's platforms and basically would become internet money, but also would interface with the physical world. So there will be on and off ramps from fiat currencies in different countries into Libra. This is essentially the first denationalized money that is sponsored by what I would call a private central bank. And this is going to raise interesting regulatory questions, some of which were already raised yesterday by regulators in uh, response when when Facebook uh, made the public announcement uh, that, that some folks are looking at this as if it is private currency. So we can come back and talk about that in a moment. But effectively, Facebook will be operating as a, a, essentially a private central bank. Uh, they said they will be backing the currency 100%, at least for now, by with assets that, uh, that will be a basket of, of liquid currencies, and uh, including purchasing government bonds and making bank deposits. Uh, so there will be assets in, in quotation marks um, uh, that will be backing this currency. So it's, it's a derivative. It really, in a way, looks very much like traditional central bank currency pegs. Uh, the People's Bank of China, for example, pegs the Chinese currency to a basket of foreign currencies, just like Facebook is planning to do. We don't know whether Facebook will publicly disclose what's in that basket or keep people guessing as the People's Bank of China does. Previously, it, the Chinese currency was basically pegged one for one to the dollar. Now that basket actually is a bit of a moving target and they do keep um, the market guessing. And these questions will only be answered by Facebook over time. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, and, and so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's internet money. It's magic internet money. Um, but instead of something traditionally quote unquote, like Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you have, uh, this is put out by Facebook and it's, and as you said, it's like you can use it on various Facebook platforms or whatever. Instead of exchanging U.S. dollars, though, you might exchange um, these like Libras or whatever they're called. Um, and so there's kind of you can think about this coin, you know, the Libra um, in like with respect to like Bitcoin and Ethereum or, or other cryptocurrencies. Or you can think of it with respect to kind of, um, you know, central banks. And let's actually do that second one first, because that's the one that I definitely understand less. As you said, it's the first denationalized money put out by a private company. Like that's a pretty big deal. It is um, indeed. <laughs> how will in my mind? I'm like, oh, the nation states will not be happy by this because they have had a monopoly on printing money for you know 250 to like a thousand years, depending on how you count. How how does this look compared to other central bank currencies, and how do you expect it to kind of co-evolve with them? Well, it's basically just a big company as opposed to a big government operating money. And uh, the difference is that Facebook is supranational. It's not restricted to one country's borders. Uh, but another difference is that Facebook 
um, uh, at least in theory, doesn't have the ability to conjure Libra out of thin air because they have said that they will be 100% backing Libra with bank deposits and government bonds. Now, over time, it, it is an interesting question. There are a lot of skeptics who think that Facebook will do what other central banks do and just start conjuring these out of thin air and basically putting leverage into, into the financial system. But for the moment, at least Facebook has, has, uh, has said they don't plan to do that. Uh, so it, it really it raises very interesting discussions, though. That very question you asked is one of the reasons I am excited about this. I, I see this as a double-edged sword. There are definitely pros and cons mm-hmm. to from, from the perspective of someone who's a big supporter of crypto and, and the philosophy behind crypto. I will say on the pro side, if you read Facebook's white paper, the objectives of Libra, I think, are one for one the objectives of the broader crypto community. Every one of them was one I I think most of us, or pretty much all of us would agree with. It's the implementation that is different for sure. Um, but, uh, but, but this conversation that, that we're having is I think going to be fantastic for regular folks who are not familiar with crypto. They're going to start to realize that there are alternatives to government money. And that is a powerful concept in and of itself that I welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that is, and that just kind of gets you, it's a classic, like once you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you're like, whoa, why does money exist? Like, why does it have value? And what is trust? And and this will kind of push a lot of people down that rabbit hole and just to show them, hey, money doesn't need to, to yeah, be printed. We've, you know, for as long as I've been alive, as long as you've been alive, we've only known it as um, essentially government-backed fiat currency. And so thinking right. of it in a different way is just kind of weird. Um, and so just even to get out of that mindset is very powerful. How for do you sure. think... Like thinking about something like um, you have these other central banks uh, that are thinking about issuing their own currencies, their own like digital currencies. Um, is this going to essentially compete with all of those and then just compete also with like U.S. dollars and Chinese yuan and things of that variety? Well, let, let's step back. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker wrote a great piece uh, about this, basically making the point that there really hasn't been any competition in money, any free market um, f- uh, you know, pressures on money and payment systems for for the last 50 years since the U.S. went, went off the gold standard in mm-hmm. almost 50 years ago, 1971. Um, and, and really, we're using the same technology. We're using credit card technology that's even older than that in the U.S. Um, and we're using the ACH system. You know, the U.K.'s at least got uh, a better real-time gross settlement system, but the U.S. actively has avoided upgrading. And so this now is actually going to be a shot in the arm to – to payment systems. I, I did say in, a, in, in the tweet storm yesterday, I think Facebook definitely understands payment systems and the notion that we should be able to settle payments outside of these 50-year-old payment rails. But, um, but what I don't think Facebook really understands very well is money because they were, they were making the point that money should be backed by something, that it should have intrinsic value backed by real assets. I would quibble with that. Money is simply a good that is recognized as an honest ledger for people storing their wealth. And it doesn't have to have intrinsic value. And the perfect example of that is that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, which don't have intrinsic value, actually do have value. 
Mm-hmm. I can go look at any crypto exchange and verify, yep, they have value. And and they have had value for 10 years now, almost. So it's um, it, it, it flies in the face of the notion that, that, that a currency needs to have intrinsic value. So mm-hmm. I would criticize Facebook uh, for making it, for looking at it that way. And I don't think that Libra will be any more successful than traditional fiat currencies for that exact reason. It, it isn't backed by anything real. It isn't a good that is actually an honest ledger. But on the flip side, um, again, I do give them credit for advancing the ball. It's going to open that whole door to why is why is why is money what government says it is, and why isn't it something that's not controlled by the government? Actually, and I would say in, in the question that you asked me, governments really haven't controlled money for very long. It's really only about 120 years. That governments have have controlled money because money used to be gold. Money's been so many different things in history, but in every case, what money has been is a good that was recognized as a fair ledger. And sometimes it's been salt, sometimes it's been cigarettes in in prisons, uh, you know, sometimes it's been stones, uh, lots of different things. But what they all had in in common was that people recognized that they were finite in value and could be used as an honest ledger to keep score. And that's what we just, we want an honest ledger. That's all. And, and, and I, I think over time people will realize Libra is just another fiat currency. It just happens to be issued by a private company rather than a government. Ultimately people will make their way back to truly decentralized money, which is not controlled by anyone. Yeah. So let's, let's explore that a bit more. So, and, and I hear what you're saying, which is, Hey, for the last 50 years in that Tucker piece, it's like there's been no competitive pressure here. Yep. And so that's why you see stuff like ACH still in America versus, and you can see something like China, which was more of a blank slate where you have like WeChat and like all these Alipay and stuff like that yes. built into this digital system in a, in a nice way. Um, and as you say, this idea going back to the, like, how do we think of money? Um, traditionally, you know, it, this idea of just the money being that honest ledger is kind of a weird thought, but I, I think it's very powerful. And as you, as you said here, you know, if you think about the Facebook, you know, Libra, it's like backed just by like more the kind of it's turtles all the way down, just like, oh, it's just exactly. more money yep. um, versus. So tell us a little bit more about how you think about how something like Libra will co-evolve with, um, you know, Bitcoin. Well, I think that it will actually have positive boomeranging effects for Bitcoin. That, that uh, we, we had a phenomenon occur, which Nick Spanos pointed out to me in Venezuela, where the government educated people about how cryptocurrencies work with when it introduced the Petro. And what did, what did people do? They actually started buying Bitcoin. There was a noticeable spike in Bitcoin volume coming out of Venezuela at that time. So not everyone, but but an increasing percentage of the population, once they educated themselves, realized, why do I want this thing that is not likely to hold its value over time? I'll take the one that actually is scarce and has enforced scarcity, mathematically enforced scarcity that uh, really, at this point, I think it's pretty clear nobody's going to be able to change. And so, therefore, um, as, as people learn about cryptocurrencies, this is actually going to do, do wonders for uh, through, as people learn about f- cryptocurrencies through Facebook, this is going to do wonders for Bitcoin. And I think that's part of the reason why Bitcoin's price has run up in the last few weeks is in anticipation of this. It's, mm-hmm. ma- it's the mainstreaming of cryptocurrency. That is not bad for Bitcoin. 
Yeah. Well, so do you think, and to some extent, I see them being kind of two totally different use cases where you have like the store of value, digital gold, you know, censorship resistant uh, money, i.e. Bitcoin. And then on the other side, you have something like internet payments and medium of exchange and things like that. It feels like to some extent, they might be two different use cases. Do you agree with that or, or would you push back there? Well, yeah, I think in the case of Libra, that the that the store of value is probably not going to be as attractive. It's kind of like PayPal. There's really no reason for you to leave money on PayPal because if you do, it's you're basically it, that's a that's a that's a non-guaranteed counterparty, and you're taking the risk that pay, PayPal goes bust and you lose your money, and you're not getting any, any interest to compensate you for that. Um, but that said, PayPal is actually a very good medium of, of exchange as a payment system. I think Libra will follow that same path, but be more, but be superior to PayPal for a couple of reasons. One, um, it's just, of course, scale is much bigger. It's global, but other, uh, but additionally, Libra has, uh, has said, Facebook has said that Libra will not have any transaction costs, that the foundation itself is going to be absorbing transaction costs. So now basically this really does become disruptive to the PayPal's and MoneyGram's and Western unions of the world. Which, um, which you know, Bitcoin really made, didn't make huge inroads into. This I think will make huge inroads into it because it, it, it's um, the ease of use, the ecosystem that's going to be developed around it, and the fact that there are no tra- transaction costs. So that's that is uh, that is all a, a big plus. Um, and again, I, I welcome all of that. Uh, I, I, ultimately, I think Bitcoin will supplant it, but in the in the media in the interim. This is what I would call a helpful detour because it's going to get folks comfortable. Facebook is very good at the user experience and it's going to get folks com- comfortable and they're not going to, they're not even necessarily going to know that there's a cryptocurrency because it's going to look like online banking or any other type of online financial transaction. It'll be more secure than traditional banking or securities transactions are. Um, they won't realize that what's going on behind the scenes is a lot more complex but actually means that it has a lot less counterparty risk for them. It's, it's just superior to the traditional systems. Yep, yep, yep. So Caitlin, question here is around like what Libra is backed by. And, you know, if you think about something that you concentrate a lot on is this idea of fractional reserve and how the traditional banking system, um, you know, that you give them a hundred bucks or whatever, and then they can say, okay, you can only have 10% of that. Um, I need a hundred bucks. We can lend out a thousand dollars. So they only need to have 10% of the amount of money that you actually gave them. What are your thoughts on like how, um, you know, what Facebook is actually backing it by and how, uh, you know, that will evolve over time? Well, Facebook is backing it by de- bank deposits and government bonds. That's what they've publicly said that they're going to be backing it by. Those are not backed by anything, right? They're, they're I guess you could say they're backed by the full, full faith and credit of the governments that issued the currency or the bonds, respectively. And I tend to think of government bonds as just being you know, fiat currency with a yield. Um, um, and, and whereas uh, currency is just a bond without a yield because the yield goes to the central bank, they're really basically two sides of the same coin. They're not backed by anything other than a promise that the citizens will pay taxes uh, or have assets to generate cash flows to pay them down. So I actually prefer private assets for that reason, because they're that's their real productive capacity. That's why I took Facebook to task for saying that this will be backed by real assets. Real assets to me are things like, you know, production facilities, um, you know, you know, production plants, um, factors of production like tractors and, 
you know, farmland, that kind of stuff. That government bonds are not real in my mind. Uh, they're 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 just um, they're they're just financial assets that are a promise, not backed by anything tangible. Therefore, Libra itself is also not backed by anything tangible um, or real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I do quibble with Facebook on that. But to your point on fractional reserve banking, what's going to happen is effectively the financial system is going to fractionally reserve bank all of the assets that Facebook is depositing. So while they mm. have said that they plan to have a one-to-one backing for the stablecoin as of now, right? There's nothing in the protocol that says that it has to be one-for-one. It can be less than one-for-one, and I suspect over time it will be because all financial institutions ultimately fractionally reserve in some form or fashion. The temptation is just too great to mm-hmm. not to. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, somebody quibbled with me when I said that at least they're not fractional reserving because they are backing it one for one and said, well, wait a minute, all the assets are just going into banks and financial assets that themselves will be fractionally reserved. And that's true. It is absolutely true. Um, but I, what I suspect is that Facebook will probably over time fall, tr- fall victim to that same trap everybody else does, which is that they will start fractionally reserving Libra. It may take years, mm-hmm. but they will effectively do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it makes me think about like some of these long-term regulation plays as well. Like how do you see, I mean, in general, um, you know, like is Libra going to be a security? I guess like there's like the Libra investment tokens, which are much more likely to be securities. And how will, you know, this is going to be a super national, um, you know, business, as you said earlier. So like how will, how will Facebook be addressed by the regulators here? Well, it's interesting. Congress, it looks like, finally agrees on something in the United States. Both um, uh, Representative Waters, who's the Democratic chairman of the Financial Services Committee, and a representative on the Republican side who is in the minority, both came out and, and criticized Facebook yesterday. In fact, Representative Waters said she asked, asked them to stop development of the program and, uh, uh, until they actually come in and explain themselves. And I think um, judging from the letter that was sent to Facebook by the Senate Banking Committee in March, they're more interested in Facebook basically becoming what, what, what WeChat um, has become, which is a social scoring system in China. Um, they're, they're, they're more worried about discrimination by Facebook against protected classes. Um, but the, interestingly, the, the criticism from European regulators was more what we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, which is that that they are looking at this and saying, you can't make private money. Money has to remain government sponsored. And so they're going to haul Facebook in front of, of I think it was in Paris, um, that, that uh, and explain why government legal tender is the only money that is allowed. And again, this is why I think this is so much fun because um, those kinds of, questions are absolutely good for society to be played out in the public square. And I love the concept that there will be a public hearing about why Facebook is not allowed to create money and governments must have monopoly over money. That's just fantastic. Yeah. And it sounds like, um, I'm laughing here. It sounds like you're definitely of the opinion that like government's monopoly on printing money is, is bad. Tell me what kind of arguments they might give when they're like, no, Facebook can't print money. Only we can print money. What, what's like, if you steel man that argument, what, what strong arguments do they have? Well, because 
I'm I'm at a bit of a loss, Reese, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's it's how governments fund themselves, um, being able to print money. And so if you take that away, then governments won't be able to fund themselves as easily. That that's probably what they would say. Um, You know, there is a big movement called modern monetary theory, which is basically it's not really new. It's it's an old economic concept that was around uh, uh, around the turn of the previous century called chartalism that basically just said that there is basically governments, there is no limit that uh, to government spending. We, we should have Keynesianism on steroids um, and we shouldn't have any fiscal discipline or monetary discipline. Uh, and, and I completely disagree with that, but there is a movement now uh, that people, uh, you know, really truly want to uh, um, basically have private control of money um, but in a w- with zero limits, and we should just print whatever is available uh, to print. Whatever the demand is, we should meet by creating supply. I couldn't disagree with that more because it, it's it. What it does is is it distorts economic calculation and causes business people who invest capital to invest that capital in the wrong place. And, and this is where I think that the Austrian school view of the cluster of errors is such a powerful argument. Why is it in the financial crisis that so many people overinvested in real estate going in the years previous to the financial crisis and they all made this, the same mistake in the same direction? And the reason is because interest rates were not set by market forces. They were, they were a, a controlled price. Um, and so I couldn't disagree more with modern monetary theory, but I'm putting it out there because, you know, some folks will look at this and say, governments are the only ones who should be able to set how, how much money there is, and we should be able to print enough to meet demand. And everybody should, you know, have universal basic income, and we should print the money to, to do it. Um, and there is, there is definitely a movement out there to do that. Again, I vehemently disagree that, that that would be good for society, but I'm acknowledging that there are folks who truly do believe that that is the case. They're very misinformed, in my humble yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think, and, and, and as you said, it will be really, really nice for just, just this just to be in the public sphere, to, to hear whatever the governments or the, the EU or whoever actually does to say, hey, here's why we think there should only be government-sponsored money, and maybe they will have weirdly good arguments, or maybe not, and it'll just be nice that it'll be out, out in public. Um, so maybe my final kind of question here is, if you think about um, the association, the association has it's the Libra Association. It's got 28 different uh, companies and nonprofits, and you know, like Visa and Mastercard and A16Z and whatever. Um, yep. And it has all those folks, and they paid each you know 10 million bucks to be part of it, uh, and they get some of the interest uh, based off of the the reserve or whatever is in is in the. Um, is backing things one to one. Who do you? Who would you want to see um, in order to be, you know, especially excited or like, you know, in a, in a best possible reality? Who else would you want to see as part of that association, and why? Oh my gosh, the Bitcoin whales! To be perfectly honest, it would be <laughs> it, seriously. It would be ideal if the entire basket ultimately were invested in Bitcoin, and then effectively Libra would just be like a giant custodial wallet. Right. Um, because like, think of, think about all the crypto exchanges. They're holding crypto on behalf of their customers who own an IOU from them. And effectively, that's what Facebook Libra would be. It would be just like a giant Bitcoin exchange if it were all invested in Bitcoin. So I'm dead honest when I say that it would be great if, if, uh, if there were Bitcoin whales that actually 
um, uh, you know, put money up to to uh, allow Bitcoin to actually be backing Libra. And it's not as far fetched as it might sound. Coinbase and Zappo are are running nodes on Libra's network. I think there may be a couple of other ones as well. Um, so there are some crypto companies already involved in this. And, you know, Zappo is Wences Cazares, who's also very much a sound money person by philosophy. So I'm sure he'll be in there uh, advocating that the that, that Libra should not be 100% backed by government assets, that putting something real in that basket would actually make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that, uh, I agree with that. Generally, I guess I would differentiate between what goes into the basket and then what and then who is on the association. I guess it would be both good to have sound money folks and on the association, and it might be an interesting experiment to have um, to have Bitcoin being as the, the, the backed uh, backing the actual money as well. Yeah, it is a it is a problem that Facebook is screening the the hundred members that they're targeting for membership in the association and they're making them pay $10 million. Now keep in mind, they're actually going to be contributing, you know, real costs, right? They effectively they're, they're the Bitcoin miners of this platform and they're going to have to be putting up computer power and, um, and you know, the electricity to run the nodes, etc., and all of the hardware and security around that. Um, so th- they're they're putting up real cost, and so I thought it was strange at first when Facebook said it was charging ten million dollars to belong to this group because you're paying for the privilege to to put up cost. But what makes that um, that circle square, so to speak, is because what you're also getting then is all of that interest income coming off the pool of assets, right? Because as I said before, at the moment, Facebook is not paying interest to its users. They're just paying interest to the members of the association. So that's going to be an incredibly profitable, um, uh, you know, again, sickeningly profitable um, venture for members of the association because they're not taking any risk and they're getting all this interest income. That's one of the dirty little secrets of stable coins is, is that the sponsors, the issuers aren't taking any risk. They're just operating the network. And of course they have some costs for that, but they're pocketing all the interest expense, all the interest income. So it, 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 it would be great if Facebook actually opened that up to true competition in the marketplace so that people could actually compete and you don't have to go through Facebook's, you know, um, weeding out process to become a member of that network. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the hope is that long term, you might have something where all of the users of the network get the interest instead of just the big companies getting the interest of the network. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, Caitlin, thanks for, for giving me the overview here on, on, on Facebook. I'm really excited to see how it co-evolves both with Bitcoin and with the uh, central bank um, currencies, and especially hoping for that public hearing uh, in the EU. Um, so where can people find you on on on? Twitter or something like that? Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter at Caitlin Long underscore also on Forbes.com and also my own website, Caitlin hyphen long.com. Boom. All those, those sound good. Um, well, thank you again for, for joining us today. And maybe a year from now, we'll see uh, what's happened with Facebook then. It would be fun to get back and uh, go back and see how many of those predictions actually came true. Exactly. Okay. Thanks. Thanks Caitlin. Vince.